Good morning or evening. It doesn't matter. This is fake. I'm Johnny Jones, and this is fake news. COF has formed a new partnership with the popular restaurant chain Chick-fil-A, opening a new restaurant inside the lobby. It's still closed on Sundays, but on the bright side, they will be releasing a new menu option. How exciting! The item comes with virtually no backlash. The fully clothed chicken breast is still a top seller in conservative areas, and a close second in most others. In a restocking decision, COF has reordered a limited amount of Laura Shook's book. Get them while you can. Laura just won't be able to see over the steering wheel after the <laughs> Wait! Wait! <laughs> Who approved this? <laughs> this has been Fake News. I'm Johnny Jones, and remember, if this is your first time here, your first cup of free coffee is on me. <laughs> All right, Johnny Jones. Yeah, that's definitely his last week, I think. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what he said, but I'm sure it was good news or fake news, rather, which is exactly where we find ourselves, like Wes said, in the middle of our fake news series. We've been looking at some things that we typically believe about the Christian life that really isn't true and exposing those beliefs and learning what God says to really be true. Last week, we started looking at some of the fake news that we believe about prayer, the belief that prayer just comes naturally to us, but it doesn't, right? Worry comes naturally, and prayer is something that has to be learned and developed. It's something that we have to learn to practice, and we followed the disciples' examples when they said in Luke 11:1, 1, Lord, teach us to pray. They never asked Jesus to teach them to perform miracles or to minister to the needy or to preach or anything else, but they saw the power in Jesus' prayer and they said, teach us to do that. Teach us to pray like you pray. And Jesus did. Jesus said this to them. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. So today, we want to look at that outline for prayer that Jesus gave them. So pull out your little worship guide. We have it in there for you today. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. And you know this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I want you to see some fake news that a lot of people have believed about prayer is this. Prayer is mostly an exercise to make us feel better. It's kind of like, you know, meditating or, or, or doing some other things that make us feel 
better, calmer, more relaxed, not so worried. All of those things prayer does, but that's not the point of prayer. Here's the truth. Are you ready? Prayer is God's only plan for world change. It is on-the-job training for eternity. I remember as a teenager, I was uh, sitting out in, in the church where I attended, and an old, old man had come. He was doing a seminar for us, and um, not many people came to it, but he was talking about prayer. And as a teenager, I was interested in what he had to say. He spoke in a monotone. He spoke, uh, you know, just barely above a whisper as he was uh, in his 80s. And uh, what he said changed my life. This man began to talk about how God had revealed to him and shown him all through scriptures. And he put all of the scriptures together, how God from the very beginning in Genesis was trying to put together a new creation. And as he worked through the Jews and then to Jesus and now in the church age as he's calling us out. And as we step in to believing in Jesus, it's not like just another uh, kind of philosophy. What happens is when we step into what Jesus did for us on the cross, we become inside a whole new creation, never seen before. The Bible is really clear about that. Even when it uses the words new creation, it means new, like never seen before. And he said that God has done this because he's creating the one who's going to rule and reign with him forever. And he's gonna invite us to sit on his throne. Revelation says, Jesus talking, to the one who overcomes, you'll sit on my throne with me. And he said, that we're learning how to do that. And he said this life is like boot camp. God is preparing us for what he's got for us for all of eternity, which is the whole point in God's mind of all of it. That this is not the point here. That this is training. And God doesn't want us to waste our sorrows. He doesn't want us to waste the difficult circumstances of our life because he's teaching us to be overcomers. And he uses prayer to train us because it's the only thing that can bring heaven down here, that can accomplish what God wants here. And God is trying to tie us in with his great and amazing heart so that we can understand that and be one with that so that when we get to heaven, we're not gonna sit around for a billion years on a cloud playing a little harp. We're going to rule and reign or create universes or do whatever he has for us. We don't have any idea what that is. But he says, I'm trying to teach you that. It kind of flips everything on its head like we've talked about before. Because we'll look at people and say their life is so easy. God's favor must be on them. But the truth is, God is trying to teach us some things. And if he's got a big job for you in eternity, your life is probably going to be particularly hard here in on-the-job training. I mean, it, it's the Army Rangers that have the toughest training. It's the Green Berets, right? It's the Navy SEALs. All of these, and, and he says, I've got a big job for you. I've got an amazing thing for you. So get ready, and don't waste what's happening here. And how we utilize that is through prayer. We're gonna look at that. We're gonna see that. And Jesus taught us how to pray. He taught us how to do it, how to bring heaven to earth in this moment. The first thing he says there is, this then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. 
You know, the fake news I think that many of us believe is that God is far away and he's uninterested in our lives. That would kind of be the agnostic belief that there is a God and he spun the whole world into creation and then he stepped away and he's letting it just play itself out. He's not interested or active and a part of our world today and that's fake news because look what Jesus said right there. The truth is that God is a father. He's our father. And he said, that's who you're praying to. This is a very different way to pray, isn't it? Not even heavenly father. We've kind of adopted that phrase sometimes when we pray. But he's saying, Jesus just simply said, our father. He's your daddy. A prayer really is just a relationship between you and your dad. God is calling you into relationship with him. And he says, this is how we have it. We pray, we have these conversations together. Yes, he's the great, big, eternal, majestic God of the universe, eternal from time past into eternity, but he's also your father, your daddy. I remember my dad, before he retired, he was the CEO of a multinational corporation for years, and he traveled the world. He met with kings and presidents and ambassadors and leaders of other companies around the world. But there was one thing I always knew about my dad. If I ever needed anything, all I had to do was call him. And it didn't matter where he was or who he was talking to, what meeting he was in, what was happening in his world at that particular moment, he took my call. He would respond, he would listen to me because he was my daddy. I was the most important thing to him and that's what Jesus is saying here. God is your father. And the cool thing is it doesn't matter how incredibly awesome your dad is or has been in your life, God is even better. He's eternally better than your amazing father. Think about that. Maybe you didn't have an amazing father. God is saying to you today, I am that person for you. I am your father. He wants to be that for us. Mark and I talked recently to a member of Community of Faith, and they were explaining how in a, a moment that God had transformed their life completely, just broken through years of hurt and abuse and anger and unforgiveness and, and just heaviness that they were living through, and, and God just broke through in a moment and totally wiped that away and healed that. And they said, why would God do that? I mean, that was the question that she came to us to ask, like, why me? Why would, I don't understand why God would do that for me. And we had the, the joy of explaining to her that God loves her. He's her father. God relentlessly pursues us. He pursues you. He wants relationship with you. And he says, that's what we have in prayer. That's the privilege and honor we have to come to him as our father and say, daddy, it's me. And he stops everything to listen, to be with you, to sit with you. That's who you're talking to when you pray. That changes how we pray, doesn't it? And it goes on to say, hallowed be your name. To hallow simply means to be made holy, to be set apart. It's recognizing that God is other than us, right? He's completely different from us. He's wholly uh, separate from us. We can't even fully understand who he is. The Bible says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He's completely beyond us. And at the same time, he is the perfect father, the one that we can come to and talk to. When we hallow him, it's recognizing that he is that. He is all that taking time to remember that, to sit in that, to think about that as you pray to him. 
So often we go straight into, hey God, it's me and here's what I need. He says, Jesus saying, when you pray, stop. Recognize I'm your father. Take time to hallow my name, that, to realize that I'm different and other and separate from you. You know, we all have so much fear and anxiety in our culture today, and I think in particular we're seeing it in the young people that are coming up today, but we've forgotten who God is. When we don't see him for who he is, of course we're gonna have anxiety and fear and all of that in our lives. I'm convinced that the longer we stay in this place in our prayer life, the more all those other things fall away. The fear, the anxiety, the neediness, the, even the thought of this is what I need because you're focused on who he is. And if you stay there, all those things become so much smaller in light of his majesty. The faster we rush through this, the bigger and overwhelming all those issues in our life are gonna seem. So Jesus is saying stay here, sit here a while. We used to sing years ago a song and it said in there, you know, I wanna sit with you a while. That's what Jesus is saying, sit with me. Sit here with me. And you know, the Bible actually gives us names of God that we can meditate on and focus on. I read somewhere that there's 955 names and titles of God in scripture. And I don't know if that's true because I haven't gone to count them all, but however many there are, there are a lot of them. He wants us to know who he is. That's why he gave us all those names. I mean, imagine if you met somebody and you said, tell me a little bit about yourself. And they started going on and on and on and they told you 955 things about themselves. Well, they want you to know them, right? That's what God is saying. He said, I want you to know me. He says, I'm the mighty one. He says, I'm your advocate, your counselor. I'm all sufficient. I'm the beginning and end. I'm your high priest. I'm the author of life. I'm the author of peace. Whatever it is you need today, he says, that's what I am. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is. He says, I am that. That's one of his names, in fact. I am that I am. That's what he's saying. I am whatever you need. Listen to a couple of these names. Sidkenu, I am the Lord, your righteousness. Because we have Jesus, we have righteousness. This is what he's already done for us on the cross. This is how God sees us. He sees you as righteous. If you don't have him, you don't have righteousness. Whatever has happened in your life, whatever you've done, however fall you've fallen, he says, I am your righteousness. If you simply ask him to come into your life and be that for you, he says, it's done. I am your righteousness. Yahweh Makadesh, I am the Lord who sanctifies you. I'm the one who makes you holy. Our righteousness is what Jesus already did on the cross for us. It's how God already sees us, but the process of sanctification is him taking you and making you into what he sees you already are, making you like Jesus. He's doing that now in your life, changing you from the inside out. That's the process of sanctification. He says, I do that in you. All those things that you see and you wish that you could change, you wish were different, you know, you fall into that same old pattern again and cringe because you did it again. God says, I'm your sanctification. I can take that and change that. He's growing us up. That's what sanctification means, just that God's not done with us yet. He's still working. Philippians 1, 6 says, and I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus comes. He says, I'll do it. And I love this one, Jehovah Shammah. I am the Lord who is there. I mean, how often do you need him to be there? 
He's in the midst of it with you. Whatever's going on, he's there. You're never alone, no matter how you feel. He doesn't close his eyes. He doesn't look away. He doesn't walk away. He's there, whatever's going on in your life. He says, I'm the Lord who heals you. And more often than not, he's talking about spiritual healing and emotional healing, not just physical healing. But he says, I heal you. Isaiah 57 says, I will comfort those who mourn, bringing words of praise to their lips. May they have abundant peace both near and far, says the Lord who heals them, Jehovah Rapha. He heals us. He says, I'm the Lord who provides for you, Jehovah Jireh. Can actually be translated, I'm the Lord whose provision shall be seen. And I love that. What is it you need in your life? What is that circumstance or situation, that person that you're praying for? He says, I'm the Lord whose provision shall be seen. It's already done. He didn't say I'm providing. He says, my provision will be seen. My provision is already there. All that remains is for you to see it. That changes the way we pray, doesn't it? When we know that God has already done it, when we hallow his name, everything else All those worries, all those requests and fears, they fall away, they fall into perspective in our minds, so stay here. Jesus is saying, spend time here. Recognize that I'm your Father, hallow my name. This then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So more fake news that people tend to believe is that praying for God's will to be done, that's nice, but it probably won't happen. The truth is, God has given us as his church the authority to go to war spiritually to accomplish his will on this prodigal planet. Jesus said when you pray, what do you do? You pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, Jesus knew something about us. We all have a kingdom, right? And that's what we think about a lot. You have a kingdom, I have a kingdom, and I don't know about you, but it's probably your kingdom is full of, of problems because nobody seems to understand something really important. You're the king, right? Or the queen. And, 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 and people don't get that, so the world would be a better place if other people would just do what you say and, 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 and bow to your will, right? In fact, you say, yeah, I've got problems, you know, at, at home. I've got problems in my marriage. She or he just doesn't seem to understand that I'm the king, you know, or the queen and, and, and uh, in my health or in my finances. And Jesus says, hold on a minute. Hang on just a minute, all right? I know that everybody has a kingdom, but that's not what I'm saying. My kingdom come. You see, prosperity preachers are particularly bad at this. They, they talk like we can bend God down if we are, have enough faith and pray hard enough. We can bend God down to our will. And so, in a sense, you're saying, my kingdom come, my will be done. God, you just bend down to what I want, to what I'm asking for. You bend down to me. How small is your God? See, what prayer is all about is bending our will to him, to bending our will and our knee to his kingdom. That's why when Jesus prayed, you can see it all the time. When Jesus prayed and said, Lazarus, come forth. How long did that take? About five seconds. And a dead man rose back to life. But when Jesus was going to the cross, he prayed all night. Why? Because he didn't want to do that. 
He knew what that was going to take. He knew the price that was going to be paid, not just physically, but spiritually. And so it took him all night. He prayed and he prayed and he prayed until his will bent down to God's will. And he says, let this cup pass for me, but not my will, but yours be done. You see, God wants to answer our prayers like crazy and he's given us this tool and what he's saying is I've got a will I've got a plan I've got a dream not only for you but for those around you will you help me accomplish it as you pray it into being but it's not your kingdom and it's not your will unless you get on track with mine but once we get on track together you're going to watch and you're going to see your prayers answered like crazy it's, it, it's going to be a, an amazing thing and What's so interesting about this, it's in the imperative form. It's, we, we read it and say, your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus didn't say it like that in the original language. He said, when you pray, pray like this. Come, kingdom of God, here, now, in this place, in this circumstance. Be done, will of God. He's saying, you, church, you, my disciples, you, my followers, have the right, have the authority to say, kingdom come, here. See, this is how you learn to rule and reign. The more that we as the church get this, the more we understand that, that God is wanting to partner with us. Some of the great men and women of God down through the ages have said God does nothing except an answer to prayer. And I, I, I tend to believe that that's true. And why would God do that? Why would he limit himself? Because he's teaching us something. That's the point. Can God do anything he wants to? Yes. But it's like if you keep stepping over with your kids and doing their homework for them and doing everything for them and doing all these things when they haven't even talked to you about it or they're not even ready to deal, you know, you're not helping them. They're not growing up into what you dreamed of them being. And that's what God has a dream for us to rule and reign with him. And he's saying, so cooperate with me. I'm not gonna work on this prodigal planet unless you Join me, because as we're joined together, it's on-the-job training for you to rule and reign forever. And this is a really a big deal. I think when we get to heaven, we're going to be amazed at who the real movers and shakers of history are. We see the big guys, you know, up on the world stage. I read a book some years ago. It's called Reese Howell's Intercessor. Reese Howell was a, a little Welsh coal miner, a coal miner from Wales, lived during World War II. And what was amazing, he was a real man of God, a prayer, and he gathered a lot of people around him, and they began to pray. And here's what was going on. Hitler was doing his blitzkrieg across Europe. And if you've studied history at all, I mean, he was moving at tremendous pace. It was called a, a, a pace. It was called a blitzkrieg because it was moving so fast. It was like lightning. Moving across Europe, he was taking over one country after another, after another, after another. His plan seemed infallible. He seemed like he was the brilliant mastermind and he was moving across to take over the whole world. But Reese Howells and a group of people began to pray. And they said, God, we want you to protect the Jews. We want you to deliver Europe from this tyranny. And and they began to pray, and God led them to pray that Hitler would have delusions. 
that he would have his mind muddled. And so they began to pray that. And historians tell us that there came this point in the war that's inexplicable. That there was this blitzkrieg and every decision seemed like it was perfection. And then all of a sudden, everything started getting erratic. And the decisions that Hitler made didn't make sense. Even his own uh, generals and others began to question him. What's going on with this? And why are you doing this? And, and, and it just began to almost fall apart from inside. And, and then the U.S. and others entered the war and, and, and all this began to happen. Now I wonder, you know, we, we know history in one way. How does God see it? I remember, even to bring it down more personally, I was teaching this at my brother Carrie's church in the Woodlands and on a Wednesday night, we were doing a series of Wednesday nights some years ago. And we got to this part where we were saying, I was telling, God says you can say, come kingdom of God, be done will of God. And right in the middle of my teaching, a guy stood up and goes, we need to do this right now. And I was like, oh, what? He, he said, there's a gang in the woodlands right now that's terrorizing the woodlands. No one knows about it because the woodlands, you know, has good PR and they're not going to let that out. But they've been grabbing people and taking them to the ATM machines and doing this. Now, this was a few years back. If you live in the woodlands, don't freak out right now. Okay. Um, and, and, and so it, they'd even gotten one of Kerry's staff members and beat him up and left him out in the field taking his ATM card stuff. And, and so uh, he said, we need to pray right now. God wants to shut this down right now. I just feel it that God's telling me that we got to pray this. And I'm going like, okay. So we just stopped right there. And that guy prayed and he was a pretty new believer, but he just believed what I said, which was crazy, right? <laughs> he was believing better than I was. I was going, Lord, please do something because this guy really thinks you're going to do it, you know? <laughs> but he's going, come kingdom of God, be done will of God. And this, I, I came on that weekend for something that I was supposed to be at and, and he ran up and grabbed me. He goes, did you hear, did you hear? And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, on Thursday, we prayed on Wednesday night, on Thursday, the grandmother of the guy that was the head of the gang turned him in and said, Jesus told her to do it. And he was going, can you believe that? And I was like, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I totally knew that was going to happen because, you know, that's what, that's what I'm teaching, you know. I just was again convinced, like God wants to do these things. He wants to be that for us. He wants to be with us in all of this. But God's going, I need you to get in on my will and my kingdom. Are you willing to stay in that marriage as you pray and bend your knee to me and watch what I'm gonna do? Because I'm building some things in you. You say, it's taking too long. No, it's taking just the right amount of time. I'm building some things in you. I see that you've got cancer. I see that you're eaten up with cancer, but are you going to trust me? Don't waste your sorrows. I'm either going to heal you or I'm going to bring you on. If I'm ready for you to start to rule and reign, your job is ready and you're ready and you learn what you need to learn, you can come on up and let's begin to work and let's begin to do, I, I see you struggle at work. I see what's going on in your finances, but until you begin to put my principles into play for your finances, I can't bless you because I'm teaching you some things. My word is true. 
what I say is accurate. I'm always looking for a channel to open up and bless and bless as you learn how to give to my kingdom and the things of me. So it's so important as we get into this that we understand this. Some more fake news that we often believe is that God must be convinced to provide for us. The truth is that God loves you and he desires to provide for us. The next phrase of this prayer says, give us today our daily prayer. It's okay to ask for the things you need. What do you need? He says, I'll give it to you. I'll take care of you. The problem is most of us start here. And Jesus is saying you need to back up and start with the things we've already talked about, recognizing that I'm your father, having relationship with me, hallowing my name, bending your will to mine, getting on my agenda and what I'm about here on this planet. And then he takes care of whatever we need. All you have to do is ask. We read earlier the scriptures that Jesus said, God already knows what you need before you ask him. And I think sometimes then I think, well, then... Why do I need to ask? What's the point of that? But it reminds me a little bit of, you know, if you have young kids and they're asking for things, or I think, of course, of Zoe and Owen, but I know what they need. I know they're hungry and they're going to need to eat, but I don't provide that for them until they come to me and say, Abby, I'm hungry. What's for lunch? And I imagine God a little bit that way with us. He knows our needs. He knows what's going on in our life, but he wants that relationship. He wants you to come and ask him. And like Mark said, he's teaching and working and doing things in your life. So he wants you to come when you're ready and say, here's what I need. The truth is, oftentimes we're the ones stopping that provision. Did you know that? The Bible teaches us that It's our disobedience, it's our lack of prayer sometimes that keeps God from doing those things for us. So it's important to ask ourselves, am I hallowing God's name? Am I joining in with him on his agenda on this planet, his kingdom purposes? Am I obeying his commands? Because when we're not, then we're not gonna see those needs met. We're not gonna see the answers come. When we're anxious, ask yourself, am I obeying? Am I hallowing his name? Because if you're not, your anxiety is going to rise. Are you having a financial struggle? Like Mark said, ask yourself, am I obedient? Am I giving? Am I generous? Am I tithing? Am I doing the things that God's asking me to do? What is that in your life where you're not, you feel like you're not seeing God's answer when you ask? Back up and take a look at those other things. You know, at Community of Faith, people have always across the years said, you guys are crazy. You give so much away. You give it away to the rest of the world and to our community here. Why do you do that? I mean, we have needs here, right? We can use the money here. Why do you give it away? But that's just it. It's because we're being obedient to what God's asked us to do. The Bible says that we need to focus on widows and orphans to Orphis. Widows and orphans to bring justice, is what I was trying to say, to this broken world because that's his business. He says, when you're about my business, I'm going to handle your business. I'm going to take care of your things. Luke 6.38 says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's exactly what Jesus just said in this prayer. Obey what he's asked you to do. And all these things will be given to you as well. 
and pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress, to keep oneself unstained by the world. That's what we're to be about. And we have never seen God let this church down. As we give and we continue to give and he's used us as a channel to the rest of the world, he's always provided exactly what we need and he'll do that in your life as well. We've seen so clearly across the years that he meets our needs every time. So hallow his name, get in on his agenda and simply ask, what is it you need? Fake news, God forgives us no matter what. The truth is, only one thing stops God's forgiveness. That's our unforgiveness. Jesus said, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Did you know that when people behind the scenes, and we've seen, had this a lot happen at Community of Faith, they come and ask for healing. And one of the things I always say, because we've seen lots of miracles happen. We don't do a big show in the, in the service, but behind the scene, we've seen so many miracles happen. And I always say the first thing is, do you have a grudge? Are you holding something against someone? Because God can't move. He chooses not to move. In fact, Jesus says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You got to let go. Got to let go of that grudge. That's what Jesus is saying. God, forgive us our trespasses, our debts against you. Let us forgive others around us. Fake news. We went over temptation by standing and fighting. The truth is, we went over temptation by fleeing from it. Jesus said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. A lot of us, we do prayer like dieting a little bit. You know, when I diet, what I do, I don't know about you, but like, I need to lose about 15 pounds so I can get back to eating whatever I want. (laughs) Right? Is that how you diet? And and then you're not going to keep it off, are you? And what God is saying is, no, don't treat your body like that. I want you to eat, and, and you can look at all this beautiful stuff I've given you to eat. Watch your portion size, you know? Don't, don't overeat. Don't be a glutton. Gluttony is sin. That's what he said. And, but a lot of us, we pray like that. God, I want you to forgive me and get this, you know, empty my bucket of all these sins so that, well, I'm probably going to go do that again, you know? So I'll, I'll keep asking you that. If you know you're going to sin, it's, don't even pray. Say, God, I want to flee from this. And that's what I want you to do. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, run away from infantile indulgence. Run after mature righteousness, faith, love. Well, let me just close with this. You know we're a big Sooner fans. Sorry about that Longhorns, right? All right? There's like three of us in here. Some of you are clapping, all right? But last year... We were last in the Big 12 in defense. We were number 114 in, in all of, the, 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 of all the college teams in defense. Experts said that if OU just had a mediocre defense, they could have probably brought home a national championship. You know, but we were terrible. We got a new defensive coordinator, and here's what he did. He, he kind of has a mantra that really simple. It's like, make it simple, give maximum effort, leave it all on the field is basically what his mantra is. Make it simple. I think God did that for us as his church. He said, I want you to pray. The disciples got it. That's why they said, teach us not to do all these other things. Teach us to pray. He said, I want you to bend to my will and I want you to bend my will into this planet 
And I want you to see these miracles happen around you. I want you to bring heaven to earth. All of us should kind of have a, a, a little, you know, bubble of heaven around us in some sense. And that doesn't mean, I'm not saying bubble like, oh, it's all joyful. And look, the streets are made of gold. What I'm saying is there's this sense that God is moving. Where that song that, that, that Robbie sang, where the, the veneer between heaven and earth grows thin, you know. And it's kind of like, then all of a sudden there's breakthrough. And heaven moves in with your son, your daughter, your marriage, your work. All of these things. God wants to do that. And he says, I want you to give everything. Don't, don't leave anything for the next life. I want you to lay it all out here. This is it. There's a sense in which what we do here moves on. But there's also a sense when we're done and the epitaph is written, that's it. This is our one and only life. It's kind of unfair in a way. I wish God would give us a practice life, you know? You know, you need a mulligan life. Some of us would love to have that, right? But he goes, no, start now. You're not done yet. I want you just to close your eyes with me as we close. God's got some big plans. One of the th dreams that he gave me for community of faith is that he's going to raise up people of prayer. And that we're going to see things happen. How long have you complained about the national scene? How long have you been on your knees? I mean, really on your knees to bend God's will down for us in America, in the world, in the way these things are playing out. What about at work? What about in your home? What about with your kids? Come kingdom of God, be done will of God. I want you just to think of a situation in your life right now and say, God, just honor your name. Maybe it's a provision you need, honor your name that you're the provision. Maybe it's peace. Honor your name, Shalom, that you're the peace. And then just say, you're my father and you love me. And I want to learn how to get off of my kingdom agenda and get onto yours. Come, kingdom of God, in this situation. Just say it right now. Be done, will of God, in this life. God, I know that you're teaching us to pray. You're teaching us to rule and you're teaching us to reign. And I just say, come kingdom of God upon us. Be done will of God over us. Let nothing stop this great plan of yours for community of faith. For each and every one of us here listening online, God, I thank you that you are doing these things in and through us right now. In Jesus' name, amen.